Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. No Responders Left Behind follows the work of men and women, including first responder and 9-11 social activist John Feel, an FDNY hero, Ray Pfeiffer, and 22-time Primetime Emmy Award winner and former host of The Daily Show, John Stewart, in their fight to get health benefits and compensation for 9-11 first responders. Shot over the course of five years, the documentary reveals the unwavering fight for the members of the Feel Good Foundation and their leader, John Feel. It's a terrific documentary film, which will be premiering on Discovery Plus this Thursday, September 9th. And you'll want to be looking for it because it's just well done. And in many ways, it's a story about a lot of heroes, not only the people who responded to the uh, tragedy of 9-11, but also the people who continue to fight for others. We're joined today by the director of the documentary film, No Responder Left Behind, and that would be Rob Lindsay. Rob, welcome to Film School Radio. Thanks for, so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for this. Uh, I'm very curious how you got involved in this project. John Feel seems like the kind of guy that's probably a tough nut to crack, but once you do, he's probably all in. Is that a fair way to put him? That's very fair well to put it. Um, he, uh, it's interesting because how we got involved is uh, John Stewart had come back to The Daily Show. He had helped them in the past. They had yet another renewal that they had to go through. Uh, one of the problems that they that the responders kept encountering was every time they tried to get a bill passed, it was only for a short period of time and then they'd have to go back and do all the campaigning and advocacy all over again. So John Stewart had come on air and just said, you know, please talk to your Congress people and, and try and make this happen. And one of our producers, Kelly Zemeckis, is actually here in Toronto. And she sent out a tweet saying, we're Canadian, there's not much we can do, but we would love anything we could do, please let us know. We're here to help any way we can support. That tweet got passed around enough that it actually landed on a responder who said, you should talk to John Field about this. So Kelly called him and then came in to me and said, I think, I think we should do a film on this man. He's, he's fascinating. It's just unbelievable what he's doing. At the time, I was juggling two different films at the same time. And so I said, well, Gail, well, let's talk to him. And then uh, she was right. Immediately, as soon as you started talking to John Field, you knew he was one of a kind and you knew that what he had been doing and what he was continuing to do was a story that we'd really needed to jump on board for. So we jumped on a plane and went down to Long Island and met him there. And, and kind of the, the whole journey began from there. Yeah. And l- let's go back because uh, the, uh, just describe what the the work that he's doing. We mentioned the Feel Good Foundation, but this is all in service to people in need who were part of the response to 9-11, but also, and we'll down the road, let's talk about the political process here because it's an important part of the story and discouraging on so many levels as well. So talk about the, the work of John in that regard as sort of the foundation. How did that come to be? John was a, a 9-11 responder in the sense that he he was part of the rescue and recovery team. John was a heavy machine operator and he went down to ground zero and was trying to help. And he actually got injured on, on, on the site, quite badly injured. And so he had to come out. So he found out afterwards that he wasn't covered for any of the medical insurance. 
pirates that because he was injured on that particular site for whatever reason. So as he was fighting to try to get compensation of some sort for himself, he started to realize that, boy, there's a lot of people way worse off than I am, and they're really not being taken care of. So he started the foundation called the Feel Good Foundation. And at first, it was just to try and get people, the government, to understand that all these heroes, these men and women that are down there trying to do whatever they can on the pile, they ended up not being compensated. So that's how it started. And John is a pit bull. Like once he starts on a mission, I don't, there's, he does not take no for an answer. That, that's an understatement to say the least. So he started through lots of lobbying and lots of uh, trying to get people on board. It took almost six years, but they finally got a bill passed to allow people to get some sort of health care and compensation. But there were so many caveats with it. It was uh, only for five years. There was no cancers involved, even though that's where a lot of people were getting. And they kept forcing them to go back and do this over and over and over again, which made absolutely no sense to anybody. But that's just the way the system works. So that's how it started. And that's how what got him moving on it. Yeah. And I think it's important to kind of um back up to the the events of 9-11, obviously, if you're old enough to have witnessed in real time what happened and the just the sheer devastation of these 100, over 100 story buildings, if I'm not mistaken, both of them were over 100 stories who collapsed as a result of two planes being flown into each one of one each uh, into those buildings, they collapsed, an enormous amount of damage, not only I mean, obviously, the buildings put to that area of New York City. And then after all of that, to try and assess not only the damage at the immediate site, but the damage that was being done to people who lived in New York City as a result of millions of tons of toxic material that essentially was now they were now living amongst. This is really the the crux of it is not just the day of it's the ripple effect of all of the damage done after that. 100%. And that's exactly what it was, was there were so many toxins that were were released in the air when when the buildings came down. People were breathing them in every day. You know, all the men and women that were down there were breathing them in. And then also on top of that, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people were, you know, what can I do to help? Just the same way as Kelly did with her tweet. And so people came from all over the country. Uh, So of course, there was the firefighters and and police officers and everybody that were, you know, the first responders that were there, they were living on the pile basically for 10 months, but people were coming from all over the country the whole time for 10 months, these toxins were being released into the air. And so all the people that lived around there, that worked around there, that went to school around there, like they, a lot of those people were also exposed. And then the people that came, like I say, from different states, they went back home and then got sick later. And it took forever for them to realize I got cancer because of that. You know, like they, they, people didn't put two and two together immediately. That, that's not true. That The people from New York knew immediately what it was. They, they have what's called the 9-11 cough. And so many of the responders had it and were telling their doctors and telling their, their healthcare providers just that this is from whatever that smoke is this is related to that but it took them so long to convince people that that's actually was true so then you add that on top of all those other layers of people that might not have been in the center of the pile but but were around the whole uh, and then it just spread it spread all across the country so yeah. and and that, that that brings up you know another part of this story which is the institutional barriers that these people have faced i do remember for some reason that comes to mind that the head of the EPA at the time was Christine Todd Whitman, 
who was a former Republican senator, I believe, from New Jersey, another part of the the of the country that was impacted by 9-11, certainly on a lot of different levels. So getting them to recognize that this pile of rubble in Manhattan was in fact the source of what we were they were beginning to see on a massive scale. That took a lot. It took a lot. And then also, it, you know, she publicly said, it's safe, you can go back on there. And and that was obviously a, a point of contention for many, many reasons. So yeah, like it took a lot for people to be convinced. And maybe, maybe because there might be dollar signs attached to it, that it, that it was that difficult for them to be convinced of these things. But you're, you're totally right. They they had to basically to come up with these crazy scenarios of they needed, they wanted photos of that you were there, like some sort of proof to show that you were there and that, and it took a while for, for them just medically, I think people had to die basically so they could do some autopsies to, to realize, okay, wait, maybe, maybe there is something to this, that there, this smoke that they're, uh, or the toxic fumes that they're, they're inhaling. So, and then you think, you, you think of that, the photo side of it, who was taking photos of that, you know, like once in a while, someone might, maybe some outside journalists were coming in and, and doing that kind of thing, but there certainly wasn't a lot of, you know, so-called selfies back then. And, and who would be doing that anyways? But the whole ground floor, so to speak, of where this all started from, there were so many obstacles they had to come right out of the gates and it just didn't get any easier. I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with the director and producer of this terrific documentary film called No Responders Left Behind. And it is going to be premiering on uh, Discovery Plus on Thursday, September 9th. Be looking for it. I, I agree with what you said. You know, anytime you start to attach a dollar amount to something like this, which I'll be fair in some sense here, in that it's hard to know who was being impacted by it. And it was something, this was such a life-changing event for New York City and for the country and for so many people. So there's no, there wasn't really something that they, you could say, well, it was like this happening, right? Nothing like this had happened before. Exactly. And so there were a lot of trepidations. And I understand that from sort of an institutional perspective that, well, we don't, we don't know what to do here. But the fact that they were so institutionally resistant after knowing, after just common sense, for God's sake, you can't walk by that. I went. I happened to be in New York in two thousand and three, and I. I mean, just viscerally, I could see what a horrific set of circumstances must have happened. But it's just the common sense part of this is the part that bothers me, and what informs so much of the John, John Field, John Stewart, Ray Pfeiffer, and all these other people, right? One hundred percent. It's also you can call it interesting, I guess, but. We're Canadian filmmakers. And so when we came down to tell the story, the basis of what they had to fight so hard for, we kind of take for granted because we have healthcare up here. It made no sense on every level. And it made an extra no sense on a Canadian, on our level too, because we're, we didn't really understand, you know, how it could come to this, you know, or, or why they have to fight as hard as they, they did for what to us makes common sense, what's you, what everybody makes common sense. So, so I think what really is also hard to get your head wrapped around is sure getting it off the ground and they had nothing to base it on. And 
And that took many years to get to, to the point where they were able to get the first bill passed. And that, and John Stewart helped a lot. He got involved and put it on a national scale. And uh, But John Field had already been doing six or seven years of work just to get to that stage anyways. But then the fact that they just kept putting barriers and barriers and barriers, and then it just, they would give it the little inch at a time sort of thing. It was, it was maddening to watch, to A, to hear what the story was. And then when we got involved, to just to watch how how difficult it still was, how many years later this was, uh, 2010, 2015, 2019. Like it was just this, this constant, uh, them having to go down and, and fight the same fight over and over and over again. You would think in the, the last 25 years of American history, if there's one event that would be a unifying kind of perspective on what happened and a determination to do the right thing, you would think it would be the 9-11 tragedy and how on so many levels that you would want to marshal all the resources to make sure that the people who were somehow caught up in it, whether it be the victims of the actual collapse of the buildings, first responders, people who live in the area, our troops going to Afghanistan, you would think this would be a unifying thing beyond any any doubt, right? You would. And and a lot of people, I mean, I'm not the first one to say this, but John Stewart and John Field said this many times of that politicians all had bumper stickers and, and things never forget. You know, they always said never forget. But when it came time to something like this, when the heroes were on that, that it was the heroes that we're trying to, uh, we're talking about here, the people that, that went to the pile and honoring those who lost their lives on 9-11 and everything. It was that, that they did forget. They, they, you know, in, in principle, they say we never forget. But when it came time to helping those that really needed the help, you know, they helped us. Why can't we help them sort of thing? That was the part that was, I mean, there's so many head scratchers on this whole journey. But uh, yeah. uh, and John Field would totally he has many, many stories, I'm sure. <laughs> and I want to let people know, I don't want to give the impression this is some kind of dry dissertation of what happened along the way. This is a film about the people really, truly focusing on people like John Field and Ray Pfeiffer. And and to some extent, John Stewart, he means certainly a big part of the film and the telling of the story. But this is about the men and the women who were there, who put who really put their lives on the line during the event, as well as afterwards. And it's a very humanizing part of, of and, and it really makes it makes this film something special. And thank you for saying that, because that is what we, we meant. That was what our intention was, was making the film, too, was that it at, at even though all these things that we're discussing right now, as horrific as they are, at the core of all this is a heart. And John Field has the biggest heart you'll ever meet. And he sort of shepherded all these people that were had different ailments and stuff, but brought everybody together with a common cause. And it really is a film about social advocacy, friendship. They formed a brotherhood. The, the relationship between John Stewart and John Field is really special in their own right. They could do their own little comedy routine if they wanted to. And then you throw in heroes like Ray Pfeiffer and Louis Alvarez and stuff like that, too, that were a big part of the journey and a big part of getting what they got accomplished in there. So, yeah, I totally agree. I think it, that was what our always intention was, not just the facts of what happened, but the, the human element of everything as well. Yeah, it's it's very well done. And I hesitate to use the, the phrase, it's a feel good documentary <laughs> because it's about something so horrific as 9-11. But at the end of the day, the good guys do well. They and, and and I don't I want people to see it. So I'm teasing a little bit here, but nonetheless, 
you know, the Victims' Compensation Fund and other things, we're all better off for the work of John Feel and for all of this different Ray Pfeiffer. And what a great guy. And thank you. Thank you. No, I, I, we, we are honored to tell this story. And I, I know I mentioned that we're Canadians, but at the, at the heart of it, we're all humans. And, yeah. and, and we really feel strongly that this is a story that maybe won't be told as much. You know, I, I think it's been told in little sound bites on the news over the years, but no one really, I don't think, understood exactly how much these guys went through and how they banded together and everything. So, yes, th- thank you very much. We hope everyone enjoys it. Yeah, I'm glad John Feel invited you into his world and you were able to document him and, and the people. There's so many other people in the film. There's a Ken George. There's a few others in here that we get to know. Check it out. It's on uh, Discovery Plus starting on Thursday, September 9th. The film, again, is called No Responders Left Behind. We've been talking with the producer and the director of the film, and that would be Rob Lindsay. Rob, thank you so much for being here on Film School Radio. Thanks so much, Mike. I really appreciate you having me. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music